Chapter 3 The Barrier Broken Elric reined in behind the cover of a crag. He had found the camp of Thaleb Ka'ana. A large tent of yellow silk had been erected beneath the protection of an overhang of rock, which was part of a formation, making a natural amphitheatre among the dunes of the desert. A wagon and two horses were close to the tent, but all this was dominated by the thing of metal, which reared in the centre of the clearing. It was contained in an enormous bowl of clear crystal. The bowl was almost globular, with a narrow opening at the top. The device itself was asymmetrical and strange, composed of many curved and angular surfaces, which seemed to contain myriad half-formed faces, shapes of beasts and buildings, elusive designs coming and going, even as Elric looked upon it. An imagination even more grotesque than that of Elric's ancestors had fashioned the thing, amalgamating metals and other substances which logic denied could ever be fused into one thing. A creation of chaos which offered a clue as to how the doomed folk had come to destroy themselves. And it was alive. Deep within it something pulsed, as delicate and tentative as the heartbeat of a dying wren. Elric had witnessed many obscenities in his life and was moved by few of them. But this device, though superficially more innocuous than much he had seen, brought bile into his mouth. Yet for all his disgust, he remained where he was, fascinated by the machine in the bowl, until the flap of the yellow tent was drawn back and Thaleb Ka'ana emerged. The sorcerer of Pantang was paler and thinner than when Elric had last seen him, shortly before the battle between the beggars of Nadsakor and the warriors of Tanalorn. Yet unhealthy energy flushed the cheeks and burned in the dark eyes, gave a nervous swiftness to the movements. Thaleb Kana approached the bowl. As he came closer, Alric could hear him muttering to himself. Now, 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 murmured the sorcerer. Soon, soon will die Alric and all who league with him. Uh, the Albino will rule the day when he earned my vengeance and turned me from a scholar into what I am today. And when he is dead, then Queen Yashana will realise her mistake and give herself to me. Mm, how could she love that pale-faced anachronism more than a man of my great talents? How? Elric had almost forgotten Thaleb Khanna's obsession with Queen Yashana of Jacor, the woman who had wielded a greater power over the sorcerer than could any magic. It had been Thaleb Ka'ana's jealousy of Elric which had turned him from a relatively peaceful student of the dark arts into a vengeful practitioner of the most frightful sorceries. He watched as Thaleb Ka'ana began with his finger to trace complicated patterns upon the glass of the bowl. And with every completed room the pulse within the machine grew stronger. Oddly coloured light began to flow through certain sections, bringing them to life. A steady thump issued from the neck of the bowl. A peculiar stink began to reach Ulrich's nostrils. The core of light became brighter and larger, and the machine seemed to alter its shape, sometimes becoming apparently liquid and streaming around the inside of the bowl. The golden mare snorted and began to shift uneasily. Ulrich automatically patted her neck and steadied her. 
Deleb Ka'ana was now nearly a silhouette against the swiftly changing light within the bowl. He continued to murmur to himself, but his words were drowned by the heartbeats which now echoed among the surrounding rocks. His right hand drew still more invisible diagrams upon the glass. The sky seemed to be darkening, though it was some hours to sunset. Elric looked up. Above his head the sky was still blue, the golden sun still strong, but the air around him had grown dark, as if a solitary cloud had come to cover the scene he witnessed. Now Thaleb Kahana was stumbling back, his face stained by the strange light from the bowl, his eyes huge and mad. Come, he screamed, the barrier is down! Elric saw a shadow then behind the bowl. It was a sad shadow which dwarfed even the great machine. Something bellowed. It was scaly. It lumbered. It raised a huge and sinuous head. It reminded Elric of a dragon from one of his own caves, but it was bulkier, and upon its enormous back were two rows of flapping ridges of bone. It opened its mouth to reveal row upon row of teeth, and the ground shook as it walked from the other side of the bowl and stood staring down at the tiny figure of the sorcerer, its eyes stupid and angry. Another came pounding from behind the bowl, and another, great reptilian monsters from another age of earth, and following them came those who controlled them. The horse was snorting and prancing and desperately trying to escape. Elric managed to calm her down, as he looked at the figures which now rested their hands on the obedient heads of the monsters. The figures were even more terrifying than the reptiles, for although they walked upon two legs and had hands of sorts, they too were reptilian. They bore a peculiar resemblance to the dragon creatures, and their size also was many times greater than a man's. In their hands they had ornate instruments, which could only be weapons, instruments attached to their arms by spirals of golden metal. A hood of skin covered their black and green heads, and red eyes glared from the shadows of their faces. Thaleb Ka'ana laughed. I have achieved it. I have destroyed the barrier between the plains, and thanks to the Lords of Chaos have found allies which Elric's sorcery cannot destroy, because they do not obey the sorcerous rules on this plane. They are invincible, invulnerable, and they obey only Thaleb Karna. A huge snorting and screaming came from the beasts and warriors alike. Now we shall go against Tanalorn. Thaleb Karna shouted, and with this power I shall return to Jarkor to make fickle Yashana my own. Elric felt a certain sympathy for Thaleb Karna at that moment. Without the aid of the Lords of Chaos, his sorcery could not have achieved this. He had given himself up to them, he had become one of their tools all because of his weak-minded love for Jarkor's ageing queen. Elric knew he could not go against the monsters and their monstrous riders. He must return to Tanalorn to warn his friends to leave the city, to hope that he might find a means of returning these frightful interlopers back to their own plane. But then the mare screamed suddenly and reared, maddened by the sights, sounds and smells she had been forced to witness, 
and the screen sounded in a sudden silence. The rearing horse revealed itself to Thalab Ka'ana as he turned his mad eyes in Alric's direction. Alric knew he could not outride the monsters. He knew those weapons could easily destroy him from a distance. He drew the black hellsword Stormbringer from its scabbard and it shouted as it came free. He drove his spoilers into the horse and he rode directly down the rocks towards the bowl while Thalab Ka'ana was still too startled to give orders to his new allies. His one hope there was that he could destroy the device, or at least break some important part of it, and in so doing return the monsters to their own plane. His white face, ghastly in the sorcerous darkness, his sword raised high, he galloped past Thalib Ka'ana and struck a mighty blow at the glass protecting the machine. The black sword collided with the glass and sank into it. Carried on by the momentum, Alric was flung from his saddle and he too passed through the glass without apparently breaking it. He glimpsed the dreadful planes and curves of the doomed folk's device. His body struck them. He felt as if the fabric of his being was disintegrating. And then he lay sprawled upon sweet grass. And there was nothing of the desert, of Thaleb Ka'ana, of the pulsing machine, of the horrible beasts and their dreadful masters. Only waving foliage and warm sunshine. He heard birdsong and he heard a voice. The storm, it is gone. And you? Are you called Elric of Malnibane? He picked himself up and turned. A tall man stood before him. The man was clad in a conical silver helm and was encased to the knee in a burnie also of silver. A scarlet long-sleeved coat partly covered the burnie. The man bore a scabbarded longsword at his side. His legs were encased in breeks of soft leather and there were boots of green-tinted doeskin on his feet. But Alric's attention was caught primarily by the man's features, which resembled those of a Malnabonean much more than those of a true man, and the fact that he wore upon his left hand a six-fingered gauntlet encrusted with dark jewels, while over his right eye was a large patch which was also jewelled and matched the hand. The eye not covered by the patch was large and slanting and had a yellow centre and purple surrounds. I am Elric of Malnibane, the albino agreed. Are you to thank for rescuing me from those creatures Thalibkana summoned? The tall man shook his head. "'Twas I that summoned you, but I know no Thalib Ka'ana. "'I was told that I had only one opportunity to receive your aid "'and that I must take it in this particular place at this particular time. "'I am called Cordum Jalen Ursae, the prince in the scarlet robe, "'and I ride upon a quest of grave import.' "'Eric frowned. "'The name had a half-familiar ring, but he could not place it. "'Where is this forest?' he asked sheathing his sword. It is nowhere on your plane or in your time, Prince Elric. I summoned you to aid me in my battle against the Lords of Chaos. Already I have been instrumental in destroying two of the sword rulers, Ariok and Ziombarg, but the third, the most powerful, remains. Ariok of Chaos and Ziombarg? You have destroyed two of the most powerful members of the Company of Chaos. Yet but a month since I spoke with Ariok. He is my patron. 
There are many planes of existence, Prince Coram told him gently. In some the Lords of Chaos are strong, in some they are weak, in some I have heard they do not exist at all. You must accept that here, Arioch and Jombarg have been banished so that effectively they no longer exist in my world. It is the third of the sword rulers who threatens us now, the strongest, King Mabalodi. Arioch frowned. In my plane, Mabalodi is no stronger than Arioch and Jombarg. This makes a travesty of all my understanding. Well, I explain as much as I can, said Prince Coram. For some reason, fate has selected me to be the hero who must banish the domination of chaos from the fifteen planes of Earth. I am at present travelling on my way to seek a city which we call Tanalorn, which I hope to find aid. But my guide is a prisoner in a castle close to here, and before I can continue, I must rescue him. I was told how I might summon aid to help me effect this rescue, and I used the spell to bring you to me. I was to tell you that if you aided me, then you would aid yourself. That if I was successful, then you would receive something which would make your task easier. Who told you this? A wise man. Oryx sat down on a fallen tree trunk, his head in his hands. I have been drawn away at an importunate time, he said. I pray that you speak truth to me, Prince Coram. He looked up suddenly. It is a marvel that you speak at all, or at least that I understand you. How can this be? I was informed that we should be able to communicate easily because, quote-unquote, we are part of the same thing. Do not ask me to explain more, Prince Alric, for I know no more. Alric shrugged. Well, this may all be an illusion. I may have killed myself or become digested by that machine of Thelebkanas, but plainly I have no choice but to agree to aid you in the hope that I am in turn aided. Prince Coram left the clearing and returned with two horses, one white and one black. He offered the reins of the black horse to Alric. Alric settled himself in the unfamiliar saddle. You spoke of Tanalorn. It is for the sake of Tanalorn that I find myself in this dream world of yours. Prince Coram's face was eager. You know where Tanalorn lies? Oh, in my own world, I. But why should it lie in this one? Tanalorn lies in all planes, though in different guises. There is one Tanalorn, and it is eternal with many forms. They were riding through the gentle forest along a narrow track. Uruk accepted what Coram said. There was a dreamlike quality about his presence here, and he decided that he must disregard all events here as he would regard the events in a dream. Now, where go we now? he asked casually. To the castle? Coram shook his head. First... We must have the third hero, the many-named hero. And will you summon him with sorcery too? I was not told. I was told that he would meet us, drawn from whichever age he exists in, by the necessity to complete the three who are one. And what mean these phrases? What is the three who are one? I know little more than you, friend Elric, save that it will need all three of us to defeat him who holds my guide prisoner. Aye, murmured Elric feelingly, and it will need more than that to save my Tanalorn from Thelebkana's reptiles. Even now they must march against the city.